Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to On the Continent, your definitive guide to the week in European football. I'm Dotson Adebayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm David Cartledge. On this edition, we're talking the long au revoir. Messi goes AWOL in Saudi, PSG go ape in Paris. Will they ever work together again? Also, why are we waiting? Why are we waiting? Well, I'll tell you why. Salonitana spoiled the Neapolitan Scudetto party, so how much more waiting will Napoli supporters have to suffer? And Valencia's slipping and sliding toward the Segunda. It ain't pretty. Talking of which, gentlemen, a question. Is Antoine Griezmann the best player in La Liga? Yay or nay, Andy? At the moment, I'm going to say yes. He has continued his World Cup form since the break. And bear in mind, he, at the time of recording, Atletico have just beaten Cadiz 5-1. Um, he scored a couple. Brilliant with and without the ball. And how many players can you say that? about now uh, he in this in this game um he's now the top assist giver in la liga he's the joint fourth top scorer of all time for atletico in la liga bearing in mind that he's not played as an out and out striker for all of that as 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 well and quite frankly i think the end if it is to be the end or certainly the most recent bit of the simeone era would not look anything like it does with without him the fact that they've managed to get themselves into second place and kind of salvage this season is all down to him i mean david we've always known is diego simeone's favorite player is every time simeone gets a chance to talk about him at the moment it's just like he's saying thank you thank you yeah thank you uh, yeah absolutely look. gracias 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 <laughs> of a of an incredible era under simeone um he's their best player. So he's not only the best player in the league right now, he's also the best player of the Simeone era in its absolute entirety. Um, he's a player who has completely got the Simeone ideology um, in terms of how you approach games mentally, but also physically as well. He he, he just gets it. I'll never forget that moment as well when Atleti were winning the game and uh, I think they had a chance to attack and he turned back towards his own goal just to keep the ball, just to, just to step in. The fans were booing and hissing and he jested, just calm down, calm down. <laughs> and and that's that sums it up. He just gets it. And a lot of players who have played under Simeone don't get, but he's the one who has got it the best. But he's tell you what, he's he's also got it under Deschamps, like Andy said as well. He's come back after another incredible tournament in France. So yeah, he's marvellous. And remember at the start of the season, Dotton, I couldn't even start him because of that clause in his contract. Bonkers. It's it's weird to think that that was the start of this season, isn't it? It feels like a long time ago. Okay, let's get back to uh, the main topics that we're talking about. Um, well, <laughs> what can you say about Lionel Messi? I'll tell you what you can say. Uh, this is what Justin on Instagram is saying. Is this suspension from PSG the straw that broke the Messi's 
back. I like the way he's done that. But the question is about what has happened this week. Yeah, so he went to Saudi Arabia, not only without permission from the club for a promotional trip, but without asking for permission. It it. it seems to have... uh, What's it, isn't it? Yeah, it it is. It is. And um, they had to discipline him. It feels like a fairly strong message to the punishment. It's also put an end to any prospect of him extending his contract uh, at PSG. That was always the way it was blowing in, in, in recent weeks as well. Although some of the higher-ups in Doha were keen to get him to stay, obviously, because he's the arguably the best player of all time. He's just come off the World Cup win. They want some of that reflected glory. Um, but in Paris, it has felt for a while like there's no real will on either side because, of course, they came to um, an unwritten agreement during the World Cup, um, PSG and Jorge Messi, his father and agent, that they would extend the contract for a, for another year without really talking numbers or anything like that. And I, I think they were kind of carried away by the moment, really, of Messi having this in- incredible last World Cup. But if you think about it, there's nothing more sobering than the last 16 Champions League defeat, as PSG can tell you better than anyone else. And everything that happens has happened since has happened in the light of that. We have to judge it all in the light of that. Now, if you think that he came as the player to push them over the top to the Champions League, a bit like Cristiano Ronaldo when he arrived at Juventus, I think we we will look back at both of those moves actually in time. You think, you know, the the greatest or one of the greatest moving um, to do something different, to get some more glory, to get some more Champions League glory at another huge club. You have to look back and ask, was it ever realistic? And was it ever about that? We just, I feel like we get here every single summer with PSG. Um, There's a new approach to transfers. There's a new approach to the tactics. There's a new approach with the coach and entirely. And in this instance, more recently, they had a new sporting director as well. So I keep feeling that PSG are doing this, this, this constant recycle. There's just a constant state of change. And You're so, saying they're like the wombles of European football. I am. <laughs> <laughs> if European football was like Wimbledon Common, I'd understand that reference. But there you go. And there's there's no success built upon such inconsistency. It's it's, it's impossible to do, quite frankly. Mm. Um, I don't think the players entirely buy into it. Um, I don't think there's a winner's mentality there at all. And it's quite interesting as well, just another aside, that Neymar liked the post last night on Instagram that was questioning PSG's mentality. So I think it was by a fan account or it was a reel on Instagram questioning PSG's mentality um, and, and what have you and how they are. And, and Neymar uh, liked that uh, post, which is, which is quite interesting. It's like it's sort of the thing that people on football Twitter do. Oh, PSG's a soulless club. They're a nothing club, no history, no nothing. Who cares about them? And he liked the post that was the equivalent of that, which is quite interesting. So it all seemed to just snowball last night. But we just, um, what's really going to change? Just Is it, is it just going to be a new, I've, I've seen suggestions that they're going to go for a more, French orientated uh, approach this time. Mbappe wants more young French players around him and such like that. So again, it's just another new, you know, another fresh start. Is it going to be a success? Probably not, because there's just something not 
right there overall. We saw that against Lorient, didn't we? Uh, 3-1. There's no way they should have lost 3-1 to Lorient. And, and yet you saw the sort of body language afterwards. To be frank, of some of the players, like Messi, for example, didn't seem as if they were that bothered. They- well, I think it's hard to raise yourself to go and win the domestic league emphatically after you've got knocked out of the Champions League in the way they are. Especially with the fact that you feel as if the Champions League is, is, is the be-all and end-all with, with everything they, they do. So, I mean, they're, they're five points clear at the top. They should still go and win. Marseille and Lens, I think partially because of the resources, do look more impressive than them, certainly in, in, in recent weeks. I, I still think PSG are going to go and get it done. They're going to they're they're crawl over the line, I think. They're going to they're they're find a way of, of, of getting it done. But I think just the, the, the atmosphere... And the feeling around the culture is 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 really interesting. And Messi getting told off by like this in public, when presumably he wants at least even even if the, the, the PSG experiment has not been wholly satisfying for him or them, he would want to like you know, go out through the front door. I think it's fair to oh, say. I'm sure. Now this really really conditions the possibility of that I think and if you know some at least some sympathetic to, to PSG and sympathetic to Nasser Al-Khalifi for example are saying well you know this is PSG drawing a line they're saying to a superstar actually you can't treat us like that actually that culture won't fly anymore now if nothing happens next it doesn't mean anything but it, it, it feels like quite a symbolic gesture anyway because he has got one possible home game to play now because he's not going to play for the next couple of weeks while he's suspended. So that would be the final game of the season against Clermont. Let's assume they've won the league for that. Um, what sort of reception is he going to get? And in a season in which arguably the greatest player to have ever played the game has won the World Cup, <laughs> you have this prospect of him playing this basically dead rubber exhibition match in the final game of the season. And what is he? Is he going to get booed? I don't, well, it's, it's I don't think he's going to play. I don't think he's going to. I, 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 I don't think, think, he I, I think he's going to pick up. It's too a, much um, of a risk. He's going to pick up a, an injury. I agree. And, I agree. And, and I don't. And I think he's going to go out the back door. But how sad, Messi, who you know, for a lot of listeners of a certain age as well, will have been the greatest player that they have ever seen play. And how sad now. His last two clubs, if we include PSG, so Barcelona and PSG, he's gone out the back. Probably going out the back door in both of them. Mm. I, I mean, the, the first one. The first one's less his fault. Yeah, it is. But either way, he's gone out the back door. It's mm. it's such a sad, sad. I mean, it is it is it is, it is really sad. Is. I mean, that's why people want to see him go back to Barcelona. Whether it's actually feasible or not is a different question. But they want him to get that proper goodbye from Barcelona, don't they? I think they want him to get a proper goodbye. But I almost feel that that isn't the right move either. I think you know, if you look at. Is Saudi Arabia the right move? No, no, it isn't. No, no. He's if he. It depends where he wants. Look, Saudi, all the money, but he's got enough money, but he, okay, he wants more money to set up his children's children, his children's children. Okay, I, I completely get that. But I think if he wanted to win back sentiment, if, if he cares, and look, a lot of footballers don't, I don't think he's really that bothered, to be honest with you, if, if you look at his flirtations with Saudi and enjoying the green there, uh, as, he's, as he's Instagram, <laughs> the, the grass there is Jesus Christ by, uh, you know, in Saudi, I yeah, just want to clarify that. Um, so yeah, if he's, you know, if he's saying that, I think the sentiment, sentimental move is, he goes back to news old, old boys, Plays for nothing, or he plays for a few quid. I mean, that's but that's look, that's so idealistic. I'm a legacy football fan. That's mm. what that's what I'd love to see. But I don't think it's going to happen. He's going to go to Saudi. He's going to cop three hundred twenty million a year, or whatever it is. 
the green, green grass of Saudi aside, um, Andy was suggesting that this was PSG uh, throwing down the gauntlet. And I wonder whether it really isn't PSG realising that we can't let Messi get away with this because if we let Messi get away with that, we've got to let all the others get away with that. And we're a team full of superstars that, that may that wander well, off. But they've, they've never really come down on a tonne of bricks, like a tonne of bricks on a star before. Sure, you know sure. they've they've turned a blind eye to stuff, so it it does feel as if they're at least trying to affect some sort of cultural change. But that's the thing; it's not just an action on Messi. It's something that's speaking to all of the squad mm. and speaking to future players that might be interested. It's is trying to define what sort of club they are, in the same sense that the stick that Messi has been getting from the fans on occasion, not all the time, but on occasion. It's not just about him. It's about a dissatisfaction that those supporters have about the core values of the club mm-hmm. and about the way that the club is run and about what the aims of the club really are. So when they're booing Messi, they're not really booing him as a bloke. They're booing... He's symbolic. They're, of... they're booing what they think the club has become. A brand. Exactly. They're booing that. They want, they want trophy. They want PSG to be a serious club to represent the city of Paris, to represent France, to represent it well in Europe as well. And I remember we did a podcast, I think, just post by an exit in the Champions League. And I said, how many more renewals, really, has this ownership got in them? Mm. How many times can they keep doing this, going back to the drawing boards, changing everything? Or, everything. Yeah, how many more times can you do that? What's stopping them walking away soon? I mean, I don't know who's going to front up the cash to buy PSG wherever. Um, I mean, look, the, it's been a success in one way. They've re-established PSG in France as the absolute elite, mm. biggest club. Okay, yes. They've established them in Europe as well, to an extent, without winning that Champions League. And they've built up the brand to an unprecedented level. I think Neymar's signing was key to that because of his celebrity status, his, his schmoozing with his Lewis Hamiltons and Odell Beckham Juniors and Fashion Weeks and things like that. So they've so it's been a success in that way. But I think the success that the fans want, that Champions League, that hasn't come. And that, even though that's one thing, it is a big, big thing. Question from John on Instagram. Do the PSG owners actually care what the PSG ultras think? I think they have to, to a certain extent. Uh, certainly at the beginning, they probably didn't. And of course, they tried to say in their statement, and we're talking, of course, about the fact that on Wednesday, you had around 400 protesters from uh, CEP, the collective of um, Parisian ultras, uh, complaining about the way the club was going, uh, chanting that they should fire Messi, um, some of them later went and chanted some stuff outside Neymar's house as well, which is not ideal. But when the club was saying afterwards, this is just uh, uh, the insults are unacceptable and this is just the action of um, some individuals. I think in terms of what they were saying outside Camp de Lodge, the, the training ground, they have every right to, to say what they want to, I think. Um, and what PSG know in responding to this, if it really was just the actions of a few individuals, you just ignore it. But they know it matters because, of course, at the start, as David said, they wanted it to be this, you know, celebrity hangout, really. It's sort of what QPR were aiming for when Flavio Briatore was in charge, <laughs> but on a much bigger scale. And no, 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 no offence to, to, to White City there. But I think they knew after a while there is no atmosphere in this stadium. We need to get the ultras back to create an atmosphere. And there's always been this sort of relationship this uneasy sort of acquiesce between 
the club and the ultras because of that. They, they can't kick them to the curb because otherwise there's no atmosphere. They realise that it needs to be not just a fashion brand, but it needs to be recognised as a football club as well. So whereas they may have a different vision for the future of the club than the ultras do, they have to respect it to a certain extent because they need them. And by the way, it should have been 3 0 to Lorient, shouldn't it? Because um, Lorient's goalkeeper. No, I'm, basically... I'm, I'm, I'm not having that. <laughs> 3 0, mate. I, I, <laughs> I, I think the goal's completely legitimate for Mbappe. <laughs> but I have to say, the fact that like, while Lorient's players were arguing with the referee, he stood on the halfway line idly like pulling up his socks and just laughing. <laughs> well, I, I, had you, I had a lot of time for that. I'll tell you, for, for those who don't know, basically, Lorient's goalkeeper basically put the ball on the penalty spot for Mbappe and said, go on, my son, have, have a kick of the ball, walked away from it. The thing that got me was as soon as uh, Mbappe got this free goal, he ran towards the PSG fans as if he'd won the World Cup. With his arms raised. He should have been embarrassed. Why? Why? Wow, because that's not a goal that you can count. What? Why is it not a goal you can count? Well, you count it, obviously, when you're in that competition to see who's won, the, who's scored the most goals since Pele or whatever, but you shouldn't be proud of that, should you? Come on, Andy. Well, I think he was indicating it's definitely a goal and we <laughs> have mugged was. you off. I know he was. I, think, I know he was. I think there was, there was reason yeah. bit, bit, bit behind that. Yeah. Be careful, Andy. The celebration police are in the house. <laughs> <laughs> So the question from Naples has got to be, why are we waiting? Uh, they've been waiting for Napoli to lift the Scudetto and they've got to wait a little while longer, maybe till the end of today, for example, if you're listening on a Thursday. Why are they waiting, David? Why have they been made to wait just two, three more days? Because of a little late slip up against Salah and Atana, uh, oh. when they could have won the game. I think it was 86th minute they conceded, put the party I mean I want to say as the party really stopped I think it started a few weeks ago and it's it's just continued and it started at the beginning of the season as yeah exactly yeah exactly <laughs> come on this is just like when you go out in a stag do and you have a few days before just warming up for like the main <laughs> night of the stag do and they're enjoying having several days of just you know getting licked basically well, and that, that was that was Spalletti thing wasn't it <laughs> when they conceded that late goal to to Bulaidia and it's a brilliant goal by the way um for Salernitana in in that game at the um, Stadio Diego Armando Maradona, it it was just uh, firstly, Bulaidia, no manners. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, there's there's always one kid who will spoil the party of like course. that. Of course, he's he's feeling good. He's, he's scored a hat trick against Fiorentina this week. He's in great nick at the moment. A really good player. But when, once Matias Oliveira has started this continued this carnival atmosphere and it is a carnival atmosphere by by putting them in front you think okay they've done everything right because of course they went into last weekend uh, needing to beat Salernitana and needing Lazio not to beat Inter to win the league mathematically and the the, the original scheduling was Napoli on Saturday afternoon and um, late morning slash lunchtime and depending on your time zone was Inter Lazio and they had a look at it and thought, well, actually, Lazio really could drop points here. Let's move our game until after into Lazio so we can actually celebrate the title at home rather than Is that legal? on the sofa. They did it with 18 hours. Well, obviously, with the consent of the league, 
with 18 hours notice, they changed the day of the game, which is extraordinary. And so there's always a sense that it could blow up in your face a little bit. But Inter did the right thing for them. Lazio took the lead in that game in Milan. Inter came back, won 3-1, inspired in the second half by Lautaro and Lukaku, who looked brilliant together for the first time in a while. And then when Oliveira puts them in front, you think, okay, this is what, what's meant to happen. But you can't choreograph title coronations like this. I think that's what the reminder is, really. So Spalletti's saying, you know what, we're, we're going to wait. It's going to be fine. And he's right. It will be fine. I'm sure they will get their point at Udinese later. And, you know, they, they're going to win it at some point anyway, even, even if they weren't to get this point at Udinese later, which I feel pretty confident they, they will. But... <laughs> You know, so many times they've come close before, particularly under Saudi. So they've they've come close before. Um, then again, they've been really to the bottom of the well when the club fell apart financially. So I think they should have known a bit better for trying to make it too perfect. And of course, as Jamie Vardy showed us like seven years ago, it's fine to celebrate the title at home. <laughs> everyone, everyone has a great time. It's or, a Jamie or, or, Vardy party. Or, or round to Victor Ozymens. I, uh, I think it's better. Everyone prefers a house party over going out these days. Of course, <laughs> of course. Um, well, the question is, though, is whether it's tonight that this will end and if the party starts for real tonight or whether they're going to go for another lap of honour, as it were, uh, before the match or before the title's concluded. I can't think of many better places to uh, celebrate the title than Udinese. Now, of course, Napoli fans would disagree with that. They would have preferred Sunday, obviously. But there's something like quite wonderful about the Friuli, I think. You know, it's it's somewhere where... Is that the stadium? Yeah, you're a bit away from everything. Um, you know, it's edging towards Slovenia, that, that part <laughs> of Italy. And you go in the bathrooms there... And when they had them retiled last, they had them retiled with an image of Chow, you know, the little sort of uh, QB mascot from uh, it Italia 90. So you've got that retro feel. And given that the last time Napoli were champions, that was that, was yeah. that sort of era, wasn't it? So I think the retro feels when you're letting off champagne in the bath and all that sort of stuff will be absolutely fantastic. Look, Napoli have like, not quite limped over the line because you know you look they've got they've got an incredible lead at the, the, the top of the table, but they've not dazzled in recent weeks. They've looked a little tired, haven't haven't they? And I think you look eight points from the last five games. You know this is not them at the start of the season. I think there will be a sense of relief just to to get it done so we can start fully celebrating what is an unbelievable achievement, by the way. And you've got to remember. The Diego Armando Maradona is sold out for tonight. So the game is going to be on the big screen. Yeah, that's right, because yeah, Aurelio Di Laurentiis, the president, he's the only one of the delegation. They're taking all the players to Udinese, even the injured ones. They're all going so they can all be there to celebrate. Di Laurentiis is staying back in Naples to be in the stadium where they've got giant screens. How many people that's are they amazing. having? They've charged them like five yeah, euros yeah. each to get in. That is going to be that is amazing, a party of all parties. That is where I'd want to be. Yeah. Oh, it, it feels as if th this is a, an incredible moment for football. The idea that I agree. you win the title somewhere else, but you fill your own stadium up with people who just want to watch it communally. Well, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a great thing for football anyway, because, you know, we, we, can, we can fret sometimes, not unreasonably, about the same t same teams winning the big big prizes all the time. 
this team is a huge outsider before the start, as, as we'll go on to discuss when we look back on their achievement in, 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 in coming weeks. But uh, yeah, I do think it's a message of hope. It's, it's, a, it's a great thing for European football when they go on and win the title. And of course, when we discuss it in coming weeks, one of the conversations will be, can they continue it next season? Yeah, we'll have to wait and see, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw the look on your face, Andy. <laughs> if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. So Valencia, um, well, we, we've known for a while, haven't we, that um, they're not, well, they're probably going down, aren't they? Yeah, I think they are. It's, mm. 
it, I think it's honestly, I mean, we, we've just been discussing Napoli as, you know, such a huge story, but I think another major story is this, the decline of Valencia and the fact that they're going to go down this this grand old club, 1986, the last time they went down to the second tier. Um, it is, it's really, really sad, actually. It's quite sobering when you see a club of, of, of that size being in this position. And there was a game against Sevilla a few weeks ago um, that had a lot riding on the line and, and both clubs were near the relegation zone than they were the, the European end. And th- that was really sober. And I think as well, because there's a lot of discussion about La Liga and, and losing its pizzazz, losing its glamour and, you know, why? Because of the lack of big stars. And I don't think it's the lack of the big stars. I think it's the decline of the other teams, the other the other grand old teams. But before we really get into Valencia, David, yeah. actually going back to that, that game, which you're right, was pivotal. It, it, it strikes me the way that Sevilla adapted to what has been a season where they started the season in the Champions League and mm. they're still in Europe. If you look at them this time last year, they were, what, 14 months ago, they were looking at the title, having just signed Anthony Martial to try and push them over the line, as we've, we've, we've said before. It strikes me that Sevilla, in appointing Mendilibar and getting rid of Sampaoli, they have dealt with the reality a lot better than Valencia. Absolutely. I mean, they have a lot of things against them in that they're, they're playing well below expectation. I think everyone can see Monchi, although he did appoint Mendilibar, obviously, has, has, has done a, a pretty poor job of squad construction. Last few over, years, over he has. Last few, he's, he's very much years. lost his magic, yeah. And yet, they're able to say, okay, we're in the shit. Let's work out how we're going to get ourselves out of it. And by appointing Mendilibar, in bidding Sam Pauli, who's an ideals manager, really, isn't he? An ideals yeah, coach. Yes. And they've said, right, we're going to get this guy who is not quite Spanish Sam Allardyce, but that sort of relegation specialist end of end of the market. They've dealt with the reality far better than Valencia have, right? Yeah, yeah. They've, they've got a prime shit over there. That's what mm. he does, you know, and he's, he's happy to do that. And when the players see someone like that come in the dressing room who shows them the reality of the situation, then that changes everything. And 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 look, you've brought it up really well. I think, you know, as, as many flaws as Sevilla have had the past few years, I think of the way they've operated, um, they have have handled it really, really well. They're kicking on. The Man United uh, tie was, was phenomenal for them and just a huge boost. Classic, you know, it's a nice distraction from what's going on in the league and it, yeah. it, it, it's followed onto the league form for them. Um, so that was a nice boost. And yeah, they've handled it brilliantly, I think. And it's just a sharp contrast to, to what's happened at Valencia, who seemingly now for four or five years have not really faced up to the situation that they are in. Um, it's almost, I think the fans have, I think the fans realised a long, long time ago at Valencia, what sort of situation they were in. The club... Meanwhile, just seemed to carry on as, you, you know, everything's fine, everything's normal, while the place was burning, quite frankly. It's the old dog in the house fire, everything is fine, everything's okay, that, that meme. And they find themselves in this situation and I think they will go down. And the fans are showing their protest, um, making season. their feelings known. They've been doing it all season, since the start of the season, since the first couple of games of the season they have. They, they've been voice well, for years anyway now, anyway, going back to there. But yeah, this se- this season has been engulfed in protest. There's been, you know, you know um, a lot of fans just boycotting the start of games and then coming in later and such. The club have been banning people, taking... So when you're at Valencia, you're in Mastai, you look down at Avenida Suicia, which big area where everybody walks up. Club even got to a point where they were banning people from taking pictures from the top of there because you could see all the protests outside the ground. <laughs> so, it's, so it's become like that. 
And it, this is not... And, that encapsulates everything what's happened at the club, I think, the past few years in, in terms of, you know, Lim hasn't been in the stadium in four or five years. The owner, Pete Lim, he, he hasn't been there. Well, the protests are often about him. Yeah, exactly. They? He's got all these proxies at the club, you know, all these people at the club who don't really know, who don't know football, quite frankly, business backgrounds or, or what have you like that. They have come in. The fans don't see anyone there that they can identify with. The people that they have identified with at the club over the past few years have all gone because Lim has forced them out, you know? Marcelino, forced out. Almany, forced out. All these different figures. They even, like, we'll get on to Bordelas in a bit as well, you know, and Atafia as well. They even, the fans warmed the Bordelas, but, you know, they weren't allowed him. They weren't allowed anything nice. Isn't it extraordinary when you think of Marcelino, a Copa del Rey winner against Barcelona, and getting them in the, 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 the top four, when you think of Alemany and the job he was able to do at Barcelona afterwards, I mean, the talent they've let slip through their fingers, like not even on the pitch, it's criminal. Lim was terrified of Marcelino's popularity. You know, it, it goes that he didn't want him to win that Copa del Rey. Even if he won that Copa del Rey, you know, which they did, he was going to get rid of him anywhere because he saw somebody outgrowing him and, God, the mm. fans like him far too much. The fans are really behind him. And it was a classic thing. He didn't like people getting together and, and being unified. And the division has helped him just remain how he is. And they've found unity, yes, in protest and what have you like that, but he's created so much division at the club. You know, the number of managers who have gone, Prandelli as well, Prandelli was really scared and I remember as well. Gattuso, you know, the most dogged character, even if it was too much of him. Voro, the man who used to come in every time a full-time manager gets sacked to save the job. He he said he can't do it anymore. So nobody could do it anymore. Um, and it is, it's a, it's a horrible, horrible situation. They brought in the Ruben Barra um, absolute legend on the field. One of my favorite players. I remember when I first started watching La Liga, he was, you know, s- screaming about there and what, what a player he was. And, you know, an absolute legend. So they've tried bringing him in as well to, to save things. It started off well, but again, that's just petered out. A man with no experience, and it still creates frustration. The, the entire situation it doesn't matter who's there. It's about who is at the very top. They've still got time. They can still save themselves, can't they? From, yeah. Well, they're uh, not actually in the bottom three at the moment. Yeah, no, um, sure. As, as stands. Um, They've got six games to go as well. Yeah, Sevilla are playing Espanyol later and depending on the result Espanyol get, that they, they could leapfrog them um, because it's, it's very, very close there. They're only out of the, the, the bottom three on, on, on head-to-head at the, 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 the moment. But, I mean, I think the, the, the big issue, there are two big issues for Valencia. Firstly, that um, they can't put the ball in the back of the net. And Cavani looks like he's never going to score another goal at the moment. He's just having a really, really bad run. You know, it's, it's not a question of effort. He's, he's just having a really bad run in front of goal. Um, Hugo Duro can't really put it in the back of the net at the moment either. That, you look at the game on Wednesday against Villarreal, who are a much better team than them, playing much better. But they had the chances to win the game, Valencia, and they couldn't get it done because they're just not threatening enough in front of goal at the moment. The second problem for them is right level with them, uh, Getafe who are now coached by their former coach, as David was saying, Jose Bordelas, who was binned in quite, not the only coach who's been from Valencia in quite acrimonious circumstances, but nevertheless binned in quite acrimonious circumstances. So he might uh, fancy a little bit of revenge. Before you go there, because Tom on Twitter wants you to talk about Bordelas, and his question is, will he keep Getafe up? Oh, I, I wouldn't want anyone else. If I'm in a relegation fight, I wouldn't want anyone else in that dressing room barking orders at me. It's borderless. I mean, 
this is a guy who was coached throughout his career with a chip on his shoulder. Always looked down upon because of his style of play. Always looked down upon because of the way that he operates, what he tells his players to do. You know, fine margins, the gamesmanship. He's always put that across, you know. When he got promoted with, when he was manager at Alaves, he got promoted, he, he was promoted there. So he wasn't even allowed to coach in La Liga because they didn't like his style. They didn't, they didn't think he'd be a success. So I think that really, you know, changed him a lot. He, he, his outlook at football changed it a lot. And I think, you know, you, know, you look at Atafi as well. What he did there was astounding. Yet he still feels he didn't get enough credit there. It, look at Valencia. We've just been talking about Valencia. He finished ninth and reached the Copa del Rio final at that club. They were now staring down relegation. Didn't get enough credit for that. There were still people who wanted him out and said, oh, the football isn't good enough. He's always been looked down upon. So he'll come back now bullish. We've seen a bullish Sam Allardyce return this week. You know, We're going to see another bull in Borderlass. I, I think, I've, first, I, I, I want you to remind us of these, um, uh, they, when they knocked Ajax out of Europe, which still remains extraordinary and the personification of, 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 of Borderlass really in, in, in a minute. But I, th- I think the thing that strikes me is how quickly he's got through to those players already. So they beat Celta 1-0 this, this week in a game that they really need to win, uh, having sunk into the bottom three. And they are, they are Borderlass's Getafe again straight away. He's only been back in charge like 10 days. And you look, you look at the raw numbers for that game. They take the lead early on with an NS Unal penalty. And my God, did he buy that penalty? But very, very, very cleverly. He's, he's <laughs> given him props for buying it. He scores it. Absolutely. <laughs> you've got to do what you've got to do yeah, when, you're, when, when, you're, when you're looking down the barrel <laughs> of relegation, as David says. The, the thing is, from that point, they're like, right, okay, we're going to play on the break. We're going to defend. We're going to time waste. We're going to make it difficult for Celta in every way possible. It is the ultimate manifestation of Borderlass, as, as David was saying. So not only do they have 34% possession, but twice as many shots, but in the 10th minute, the referee goes to the sidelines and speaks to the stadium delegate and says, firstly, where are your ball boys? Secondly, can they throw it back more quickly? <laughs> so he's got to tell off the stadium manager that they're wasting time 10 minutes into the game. And if that's not a coach that's a culture setter, I mean, you know, Carlos Carvajal afterwards, the coach of Celta said, look, you, you just can't have that stuff. And he said, I don't blame it on, I don't blame it on Getafe and I don't blame it on Borderlands. Good luck to them. But how can the referee let them get away with it? I think that's something that's very, very difficult to deal with for, for, for match officials. It's, it's practiced and it's endemic, isn't it? It is. It's, it's very practiced because there was that felt, Andy's just uh, hinted on there, the famous Europa League uh, tie between Getafe and Ajax. It was build up as these shithouses in Hetafe underboard last versus the, the creators of football in Ajax. And Hetafe did an absolute number on them. We're talking vintage shithousery here. And I'll never forget that first leg in Hetafe. The ball was in play for just 42 minutes and 36 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> just absolutely astonishing. Frankie Giong, another player. <laughs> Frankie Giong. Where, where ma- was it otherwise? Where was the ball otherwise? It's a question. Uh, out, out. <laughs> so the match between Hata- this is Frankie Giong, the match between Hatafe and Ajax was painful. For me, it was especially frustrating. Hatafe doesn't play to entertain the public. I find it annoying to watch their games. Yeah. 
Ajax can come back, but it's difficult. They didn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> you don't come back from Vardalas when he's in that mood. That's, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? When, when you talk about that and the, the time that the ball was in play, it was something that Carvajal said after, afterwards. He was talking about, really, it's, it's remarkable, he was saying, that football is so technologically advanced in so many ways, but still, in terms of stoppage time, it's just an estimate. So we add on a minute for a goal or 30 seconds for a substitution. Like everything in, in football is like, you know, you think of offsides on VAR, you know, it's, 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 it's done by drawing lines on, on, on a computer screen, etc. He said, it's, it's just estimated when it comes to adding on time. We've got to stop the clock. And people have talked about this before, haven't they? They've talked about, like, you know, us having like 60 minutes of actual playing time, but every time the ball goes out of play or every time the ball's dead, the clock stops, like like in basketball. I don't think that's a terrible idea. But I think the fact that you spend 90 minutes or 96 minutes or slightly less minutes than he would have actually liked to end, be, be, be playing in the end because he thought they should have added on more for stoppages, playing against Jose Bordelas, Getafe, and you think, uh, that that has done my head in. <laughs> I, I, we need a rule change. We need we need to change the sport. I think that's a really good indication of how he can get inside people's heads. And I think that's it. When you talk about Valencia, we can we can get so swept up in this in this wonderful history that we've had. They've had. You know, you think of it the is two, wonderful. Though. Yeah, it's important. It, it is. But you think of those two Champions League finals. You think of um, the, 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 you think of the two ligas mm. and the the Liga UEFA Cup double under Rafa Benitez. You think of all the Champions Leagues and you know Unai Emery, who is remarkable to think. Even when he was getting them to finish third in the league, he was getting stick for <laughs> them not being better or them not them not challenging for La Liga. Wow. I think that sense of his football not being Bordelas's football not being good enough for Valencia is an interesting thing to, to look back upon. You know what, what we're saying about dealing with the reality yeah. of the situation? He, he is someone who could... Well, it, it was a chance for him, I think, to show that he was bigger than Hetafe, as well as a chance for them. I've, I feel that Valencia and Bordelas both missed out when they fired him. Yeah, I com- completely agree. I think, you, you know, yeah. he followed the long line of managers of Valencia who, you know, wanted more signings, wanted more players to, to do that, exactly what Andy said, to kick on the team. To make them progress, um, you know, I think you can handle as a club selling players, but it's how you react to selling them, and that's been a lot of the problem with Valencia. So many people have left that. So many players have left that club. They've not adequately been replaced over time. Different managers come in, no style, no pattern, no consistency there, and ultimately this is what you're left with. Is is the one area in which obviously nothing will really improve until uh, Peter Lim moves on, yes, and, and until the ownership changes. Yeah. I, I think I think that's pretty clear. But do you think if there's one little germ of hope, is with how many injuries they've got at the moment, you're getting these young players from the academy coming in and actually making an impact under Baraja in these closing weeks of the season? That's what you get. That, that's what you'd hope for because maybe they, you know. And I think another um, thing is they've still got Jose Luis Gaia, who is just yeah unbelievable that he's still there. This this poor guy. See, I think he's seen every manager that's you know come and gone. He's seen players come and go and. He signed a new deal. He's a Valencia lifer. He's a Valencia boy. Um, you know, he's seen it all happen in front of his eyes. So yeah, he's got to be a big guide for these young players. And hopefully, that's the hope from the fans that these young players will get it and will, you know, not just down tools and that they are up for the fight. You'd hope to to save this 
incredible club. Here's, here's a question for you both. Uh, given everything we've said, um, is it, for in terms of the rebuilding of uh, Valencia, is it better that they go down now or is it better no. that they stay up? No. No, I, I think it's, it's financially... Uh, uh, be a real problem for it's, them. It's not like England. It's not like the parachute payments and what have you like no. that, where you, where you have time, you have a couple of years to reassemble your squad, start again, you know, get th- get things right. You haven't got that allowance of time in Spain. If you go down to Segunda, you are barely seen. Like, uh, and you think of the clubs that have dropped through the bottom as well. Yeah, you know, you know, we're not we're not talking about like Man City or Leeds, even the trouble they were in. Like getting out of the Secunda Bay as Deportivo La Coruña are, are, are finding at the moment is really hard. Yeah, that's Secunda Bay's torture. It's a, it, it goes on into the the playoffs go long on until the summer as well. Mm. There's a lot of games. It's a real, real struggle. Struggle. But if they stay up, the owner stays, doesn't he? Well, I, I think the thing is, if he goes down, you can't guarantee that it will go either, because presumably you're saying, what am I going to get back on my investment? A bit like when Mike Ashley took Newcastle down, for example, he, he didn't sell because he thought, okay, I can't sell them when they're in the second tier. I need to be able to sell a top flight team. But clearly, it's become anyone normal would have sold the club anyway, uh, anyway, because it's just been such an unpleasant, unsustainable situation for, for, for years now. They need to move on. Everyone needs to move on from that. But the, the idea that they need to go down to reboot. Great idea on paper. They just need a change of ownership. That's all they need. What we need from you, gentlemen, is a game of the week suggestion. Um, Andy, do you you want to go first? Something for us to enjoy this weekend, this coronation weekend, as it were, and also some food, not quiche, though, to go with it. Uh, I I take it you're not looking forward to your Coronation Street party then. (laughs) I'm going to go for Sunday uh, at 4.30 UK time. It is going to be Borussia Dortmund versus Wolfsburg. Now, of course, the lead changed hands again in the Bundesliga last week, so Bayern are top again. They go first on Saturday evening, Bayern, against um, Werder Bremen away, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Dortmund are not going to win the Bundesliga this weekend, but you know they could go away to losing it if they don't do what they need to do against against Wolfsburg. So that they they need to win this. They've got a more forgiving run in than than Bayern. So um, sold out game. They need to get it done. They need to um, master their nerves because I think that was what was behind them dropping points last week at Borkham in 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 the derby. Um, now. Sebastian Kale, the sporting director, particularly went absolutely nuts at the the, the officiating team for the penalty that they didn't get for uh, Danilo Suarez uh, foul on Karamadiemi. And yes, they should have had a penalty, but look, they just they just didn't really manage the situation emotionally well enough. And I thought that was quite a good example of that. So they need to get that together. Really, I'm also particularly looking forward to this because I'm taking my eldest son to his first Borussia Dortmund game. He's wanted to go ever since he was really little. So I'm really looking forward Why? to it for Why that reason. Why did he want to go? He's, he's, he's supported Dortmund ever since he was, was really little. I, I bought him a, a Dortmund hat back, the woolly hat back, from a time I went there uh, when, when he, was, he was super little and he, he just took him on from there. So yeah, he's uh, really looking forward to it. So obviously in a food 
um, context, what we're most looking forward to and what anyone should look forward to, half-time currywurst. That has got to be done And that's Dortmund. a sausage, is it? Yeah, yeah. It's a nice way of saying a banger. Yeah, but not not any old banger. <laughs> not any old banger. Currywurst is currywurst. Come on. <laughs> and, and David, uh, game of the week? Yeah, I'm going to Italy. Uh, I'm going to Atlanta versus Juventus. Um, so a bit mm. of a tasty game at the top there, European places. So that's on Sunday, 11.30. Um, if Atlanta win this, they can close down the gap to Juve to just a point as well. Two points, I think. Um, and Juve's won three losses in the last five as well. Atlanta must be fancying this just to put a bit of pressure up there on, on Juve. Well, all the, all the six Champions League contenders are playing each other in Italy this this, yeah. this weekend. It's a really good yeah, weekend for that. Yeah. So so get your multi-goal on there, I think, just to keep up with uh, with everything. Just get a lot of supplies as if as if you were like staying in for the weekend and not going out. Which you might be. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, my food, I'm, I'm just going for a classic because I don't think you can get any, you know, lots of fancy toppings on pizzas these days, but there's nothing better than a good old classic Neapolitan margarita. To celebrate the coronation. Yeah. <laughs> Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.